Welcome to Offstage with Jordan Baylor, where you'll discover the stories behind the movers and shakers in the entertainment and business world. Now here's your host, Jordan Baylor. Hi, welcome to another episode of Offstage with Jordan Baylor. It is great to have you back. If you're a first-time listener, it's good to have you. Um, speech, speaking, expressing our thoughts, these are all things we do every day, and yet we don't think how our thoughts, communications, and expressions are coming across. In today's episode, I spoke with Brendan on his plans for becoming the number one speaking coach in the world his relentless belief in himself, and why you should disregard the thoughts of others and go all in on yourself. That's something that is a big driver for me. You need to go all in. You need to brainwash yourself about why you're awesome. And if you're not, if you don't think you're awesome, if you don't think you're a winner, if you don't think you matter, listen to my voice. You matter, you're important, and you're loved. Honestly, I truly believe that. Everybody has something to offer. Everybody has something. Brendan is an extremely inspirational and self-driven young man who, with his commitment, I sincerely believe will accomplish anything he puts his mind to. If you can glean half of this man's hustle, you will honestly be 100 steps ahead of the game. So it is without further ado, I bring to you my interview with Brendan. Welcome to another episode of Offstage with Jordan Baylor. I have on the line, he is host of the YouTube public speaking channel, Master Talk. Meet today's guest, Brendan. How are you doing today, Brendan? Hey, good, man. Thanks for having me on, Jordan. So I like to start off every interview by asking, who is Brendan? Yeah, for sure. I, I would say Brendan is is someone who, who cares about people, wants to make a big difference in the world. So when I was when I was in, you know, living my life and when I was 15, 16 years old, all I wanted to do in life was get out of poverty, to be honest. Like I kept really focused on that goal, got a great corporate job out of university, studied my face off. And then after that, after I started, you know, making money, I kind of asked myself the following question, which is how do I transfer a lot of the impact that I'm currently making with the income that I'm generating to my time and expertise? That's when the idea for Mastruck came, because I just realized that a lot of the content on YouTube was horrid, like terrible on public speaking. And I thought I would be naive enough to try and share something important for people. So there we go. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You're absolutely right. I've, I've, like a long time ago, I had to give a speech and I went to YouTube. I tried to go down the rabbit hole. This is like 2013. It was bad, you know, so I, I definitely see the impact. But I, I see your videos and you're like very uh, energetic, very charismatic. And you take uh, dramatic pauses when you speak. And it works, man, because it held my attention and I, I'm a YouTube scatterbrain. So what is the spark that sent you down the rabbit hole of public speaking? For sure. So in university, what I used to do, Jordan, was I used to compete in these things called case competitions. What this is, for most people who don't know what this world is about, it's like professional sports, but for nerds. So if you think about basketball, which is a good analogy here, somebody wants to go into the NBA. So what do they do? They, they work their face off in their 10s. They get into a Division One school, and then hopefully by winning you know, NCAAs and doing really well, a scout looks at them and says, okay, I'm going to draft you into the NBA, and that's how you make the league. Public speaking in this weird case competition world is the same thing. So instead of practicing with your coach five times a week on dribbling, passing the ball, and, and getting hoops in, the same analogy 
with public speaking is senior executives from big companies, instead of having dinner with their families, Mm -hmm. would come down to our university and destroy us in presentations. So suffice to say, I presented three times a week while other people are watching sports. I was looking at introduction presentations from the University of Florida while eating pizza. And I did that for three years. That was my life. I loved every second of it, right? Presented hundreds of times, like, just for people to understand how weird this world is. There are people, like there are actual people who fly out from Thailand all the way to Montreal, spend $10,000 to enter the competition, admission fees, hotels, all of these expenses that are all covered by the school just to give PowerPoint presentations. Like that is a thing. So I was a part of that thing. For what is the years. impact of the uh, the PowerPoint and presentation? Is it to speak to young people? Is it to make course, a connection? Or? Yeah, I'm happy to add more details there. So so our case competition works very simple. So a company, let's say McDonald's is the example I like to use. And mm-hmm. They come up to us and they say, hey, Jordan, you know, I'm having a lot of trouble with my business right now because a lot of health conscious people, you know, those uh, those, you know, people in L.A. that are like, I don't want to eat a burger. I just want to yeah. eat a <laughs> So so people like that, you see it at McDonald's. So the CEO comes up to you and says, Jordan, how do we get them back? How do we bring them back to McDonald's? So this is what otherwise is known in simple terms, a business problem. So what these teams do from around the world is that we spend three hours reading all the case that describes McDonald's's problem. We mm-hmm. figure out a solution, make slides, discuss possible avenues, figure out a financial statement, risks. We go through the whole thing. And then after three hours, we have to present the solution back to them. So Dude, they, yeah. I could totally see the value in that because a company could pay you $10,000 versus some extremely who knows consultant who could just be trying to get the contract and not know that how to actually fix the problem. They get like a bunch of young kids who are tapped in to the internet and know what's actually happened. These old CEOs don't know what the hell is happening. They're so out of touch with society. So like you get a bunch of young kids telling you how to make a burger attractive. Damn, dude, that's like really cheap consulting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's free consulting. Yeah, it's free cause, consulting. Cause, huh? Cause I obviously did all that for free because and, and, and I love I love that you really understand the game here. So let me even push it a bit more. So you're right. A lot of companies actually end up sponsoring a lot of these cases. So let's say, for example, there was a Walmart case a couple of years ago at one of these competitions. But it wasn't like the professor was a judge. The vice president of like the guy was sitting there. So you're just there like, uh, you're like 22 uh, years old. And you're like, whoa. So this is the environment I was used to. So just to add more layer here. Most people compete in case competitions, like you said, to get a job in consulting. Oh. McKinsey, IBM, all those big companies. A lot of the they sponsor a lot of the case because that's where the best talent is. It's not it's not good enough to get good grades. So I honestly started case competitions selfishly. I wanted to get a job at McKinsey. I wanted to get a job at these big consulting firms, but I just ended up being ridiculously obsessed, like no man ever should, with presentations. Like I was a nut job. So when I got into my second year of the program, because my university hosts the largest case competition program in the world. So we have 80 delegates. We send them around the world. And I was the speech coach for everybody. So after the first year, when I was 19, okay, I, I joined the program. I was 19, 20. And then after a year, when I, you know, I, I, did, a, I did, a, did well at some competitions, the following year, I competed again. But I was a mentor in public speaking because I just was good at it. I didn't know why. For mm-hmm. all of the students. So it wasn't like, oh, like, Julia, you could do a better job here. No, it was like, Julia, this sucks. 
like we are not going to win the competition at this rate and every week it would just be me like like really pushing them but this is where the gift came right i mostly did it to get into consulting but what ended up happening through without me even knowing is i ended up becoming the youngest speech coach in the world because mm. i was coaching people like crazy so by the time i was 22 i knew more or just as much as communication as anyone else who was like a who was doing this full time so it was this weird situation like i'm 24 now jordan i coach ceos isn't that insane it's crazy oh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what that's happened. Inspiring. Yeah, it's weird. I guess all the information and time just compounded and you just cracked it. I love that, man. Yeah, so, I got lucky. Nah, man, that's not luck, man. No, luck I is mean, like, no, you, I mean like okay, you earned it, bro. Let, let, me, let me explain what I mean here because I know uh, you're kind of into this space. So yeah. what I mean here is if I was born just 25 years ago, Mm-hmm. It would have been impossible to do master talk at this age. The reason is because case competitions only started being a thing in the early 2000s. Mm. Right? It's very recent. So someone yeah. like me who's – think of it like this. How many 19-year-old kids present three times a week? I did, Even Christmas. I was, yeah. I was, oh, you <laughs> <laughs> Christmas, forget Santa Claus, man. I was, that's not going on. It's like we go present because we, we got a competition first week of January. So because of the, all the timing lined up for me, I was born at the right place at the right time. And, you know, YouTube started in 2006. So by the time I graduated university, I had 500 presentations under my belt. I had 50 case competitions done. I'd coached some of the best speakers in our university that went on to win gold medals at the quote-unquote Business Olympics. But I never thought about going on YouTube. I was just like, I want to be a senior executive at a company. And then the idea came and I changed my mind. I love that clarification. You know, I was born in the right time. And, and it's true. You know, a lot of people complain, but it's like it's never been easier to start a business or oh, like yeah. you said, build a tribe It's never been easier in the history of humanity. Like any kind of business you want to start, you can start probably for like less than two thousand dollars. Like if you really thought about it, you know, yeah, so that, that's 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 true. Like it makes you grateful for the moment that you live in and the moment that you're in. I like that. I like that. That mindset. So, okay, I want to take a step back and I want to take, a, take, take your ability to uh, talk about like mastering speech and what, what were the tactics that you used to master a new skill? Like, how did you proactively get better at it? I know you said you were speaking three times a week, but if you had to like go back and tackle another skill, what were the tactics you used to master it? Right. There's a lot of things we can talk about, but I think the first number one priority for people is this understanding that repetition is excellence. This is especially true in public speaking. Let me explain why it doesn't apply to most people, why most people don't do it. So if you think about sports, I always like using that analogy, even if I don't particularly play any sports, is that even if you know we see all these special tricks, whether it's hockey, basketball, any sport, soccer, football – you know, we, we, we pride we pride ourselves in cheering on those special tricks and those special moves. But that's not what goes down in training every day. It's can you dribble faster? Can you run faster? What's your timing? How are you working with your team? It's the fundamentals. Mm. And as you get better with fundamentals, it doesn't matter how special your tricks are. If you can't, if you can't get the ball in the net, you're terrible. You're just yeah, bad. you're trash. You're useless. You're useless. <laughs> <laughs> you just go right to it. You're just yeah. useless. Just decide. useless. Give it up. <laughs> you're just you're just nothing. Anyways, in public speaking, for some reason, this rule doesn't apply. So let's say you think about presentations in general. So 
the real Adage, since most of our presentations are either at school or work, goes something like this. Jordan, it's Wednesday. I need a presentation for Friday. Can you pop it up? So you're just like, okay. So you spend all night getting the presentation together, trying to figure something out. You're nervous. You're like spending half the time worried and the other time trying to put content together. Then Friday comes along. You finally must have the courage to present it. And then the, the second the presentation mm-hmm. is over, you take that beautiful slide deck and you throw it in the trash and you move on to the next presentation. That is probably the most useless way to practice a presentation because the best speakers in the world present the same thing hundreds of times. Ah. Hundreds of times. Think about it. Gary Vaynerchuk, Tony Robbins, Mel Robbins, Esther Perel, Seth Godin. We can go on. Do you consider stand-up comics as public speakers, like public speaker masters, I guess? Yes, that's that's an excellent question. I actually have a video that's going to come out in 2021 about the three lessons I learned from stand-up comedians that apply to presentation. Because my my dream before I became a YouTuber slash uh, consultant was I want to be a stand-up comic, actually. Oh, okay. And the the tie-in with stand-up comedy, since you mentioned it. So let's use Kevin Hart as an example, because I've watched a lot of his interviews. You know, we see Kevin Hart, you know, on the front end. That's where ninety percent of people see him. Oh, he's telling jokes. He's famous, but most people don't take the time to study the how. Right? They look at the wow. They go, "Wow, Kevin Hart," but they don't actually understand the process and how he's a creative. This is what Kevin does. Right? Every three years, he has a new special, and for two of those years, this is literally the thing. He, he gets writes a new joke goes to small comedy clubs around New York, LA, and different parts of the US, and bombs 80% of the time, 90% of the time, just to keep testing his jokes. But he keeps trying them over and over again. So after two years of constant garbagery, like absolute terrible jokes, when it's a special, everything is methodical, everything is planned, and everything is perfect. And that's mm-hmm. what people see. Same thing with me. Presentations works in the same way. The first time I presented my communication keynote, not very good. You know, I was gloating too much about my accomplishments because I had so many insecurities. I was a 20-year-old presenting to CEOs. It was the most nerve-wracking thing ever. And then I was like, you know, telling jokes. They weren't funny. They weren't landing. But when it was the 50th time I was presenting that, same thing. When it was the 250th time that I was presenting that same presentation, uh-huh. well, I'm not terrible anymore, right? Nah. So that would be the first thing I would tell people to focus on. Understand that the greats are not great. They just work their face off, have some timing, some luck. But most of all, they just they just grind their faces off. And Kevin Hart is a testament to that in stand-up comedy world. Oh man. I like I like how you said that. It's like you brought them down like a level. You brought brought them down a notch. You were like, it's just hard work. Like it is. A lot of it is like you said, talent, like for sure, but you know, hard work beats talent all the time. Right. And, and just to focus on that, just to add more because I know we talk about hard work all the time and I hate it. It's such a boring use of taught you know words and we don't really yeah. learn anything work harder yeah work harder like what yeah. uh, what, what, that mean? what is yeah. this <laughs> the the key is focused hard work so every hour so let's say for example you want to be a, a baseball player or something and you know you, but you're spending three hours a day working hard but on something else you're writing a book or something it's still productive work but the other guy or gal who's spending the full 16 hours just throw, just shooting balls and like hitting home runs, they're going to outpace you because they have those three hours over you. So it's about not only hard work, but where are you actually focusing all your time? It's totally fine if you want to work on five different things because a lot of people get are successful doing that as well. But I think for me, if you want to be successful in the shortest amount of time, 
That's what I'm optimizing for. You only want to be focused on one thing. And something I want to be super transparent about. It is not easy to only speak about communication every week. I really work like I force myself to not talk about motivation or personal development. I leave that for my Instagram page, but my YouTube channel, and that's the real challenge is only speaking on presentation. Cause at some point you run out of ideas, right? Ums and ahs, eye contact. What else is there? Right? Well, I guess the only way to make it connect with, you know, young people is to find people that are great communicators and then to do, I guess, case studies, like you said, break them down, show me how, show me what uh, secrets Kevin Hart is using on stage or show me what he's using in an interview. And then that'll help me understand your uh, professionalism and like your resilience, like as, as a, pro- as a, excuse me, as a professionally speaking master, like uh, all the information you have on your end that helps me understand Oh snap! He understands the language that Kevin Hart is using. Where like I just think it's a good interview. I don't understand that much, you know. But I've done stand up comedy before, so I mean, I've I've like I understand what Kevin Hart is doing is like a magic trick to keep people entertained for fifty minutes straight. That is an absolute magic trick. And uh, yeah, you see a lot of bad stand up comics, whether it be like on Netflix or just all these people getting specials. You just see a lot of people are not ready for the opportunity that's been given to them. Absolutely. And it's, it's clear as day because 10 minutes in, your eyes are like checking your phone, you're scrolling, you're like, you're like this person doesn't understand communications that well. And I think we like, I think there's only like maybe 10, I would, I'm being generous, 10 stand up comics that are like truly understand everything that they're doing i'm right. being really nice with that one and, and just to build on because i love where you're going with this mm-hmm. remember everyone that the culture only remembers first place so whatever you're going to do in life i highly recommend you become world class at it i had 10 ideas when i was thinking about a business or mm-hmm. what to do you know one of those examples was master career right why don't i just be a career coach because i knew exactly how to you know align how to pick a career, how to be happy with it so you don't waste any time. That's still a lot of value to people or a bunch of other ideas or a motivational speaker. But mm-hmm. the issue is if I was a motivational speaker, I would have probably been probably at my peak, top 10%, maybe 5% of the world, maybe, because mm-hmm. I'm competing directly with Kevin Hart, right? Because now he's a motivational speaker now. Yeah, yeah, he is. And he has the credentials I don't. But in public speaking specifically, I know I'm at the minimum in the 1% because just because nobody like try and find a video on YouTube on how to present in a second language. You'll only find mine Mm. right? because I'm the only one who speaks multiple languages who's a speech coach. So those kinds of things. So you need to not get disillusioned, not for you, but for the audience. Don't Don't get disillusioned with this whole idea of, oh, I need to be like Kevin Hart. I need to be like Brendan. I need to be like Jordan. No, no, no. If you love baking cupcakes and your cupcakes, you swear by them and they're 10 times better, like you know that for a fact, you start a cupcake business because that's what you're going to win in, right? Same thing with my career. I was good at a lot of things. I could have became an investment banker on Wall Street. I could have done a bunch of stuff. But I know my friends are bankers on Wall Street. They would kill me in an interview. I can't compete with them. But in consulting, I know how to sell. I know how to manage clients. I know how to communicate properly. And I suck at coding. So that was the thing I needed to do. (laughs) So do what you're world class at. 
I, I like that. I like that mindset, you know, focusing on one thing, you know, people are so scattered brain and they don't want to stick with something to where they see the results. But I want to, I want to touch on something you said, how do you become top 1% or world-class at something? That's an excellent question. I think it depends on the person. So I'll present my framework of thinking. And what you want to do is you want to think about different ways of doing about it, and you pick the one that works for you. Mm-hmm. So for me, there's this book that I read that changed my life called Peter Thiel's Zero to One. So zero, for those who don't know, Peter Thiel is the founder of PayPal. So he started PayPal and merged with Elon Musk. They exited a lot of companies. What's interesting about the guy is not only was he successful with PayPal, but many of the people who worked at PayPal also ended up building huge businesses, which is very statistically improbable, by the way, like just built because most startups fail, right? So we're talking Jeffrey Stoppelman from Yelp, Reed Hoffman from LinkedIn, mm-hmm. yeah, David Sachs from Yammer, Chad Hurley from YouTube, like all of these great companies all were from PayPal, which not many people know this. So what Thiel argues in the book is he explains why that happened. He was also the first investor in Facebook as well. So literally, like every accolade you can think of, he has. Mm-hmm. And the thing that stuck out to me was in the first page of the first chapter, where he said the following. Every candidate he interviews, he asks this question that he begs everyone to think about, which is, what is the truth that you believe in that most people disagree with you on? So what ends up happening, Jordan, is most great ideas, most great innovations, inventions, or thoughts all stem from controversial thinking. So things that most people think is like a stupid idea that a very small percentage of people go, no, that makes a lot of sense to me. I need to do this. Think about Airbnb. Hey, Jordan, this is what you're going to do, buddy. You're going to travel, sleep at a stranger's house, and then pay them for it, right? You're going to go in strangers' cars every day, and you're not going to call them anymore. You're going to open your phone, and then the car is going to come to you. Woo. Mm. Oh, man. This guy's really or, – or better, 20 years ago. I'm going to email you money. How stupid is that, right? Yeah. So every great idea that seems conventional, that seems normal today, 10 years ago was a crazy idea. Just the iPhone 10 years ago was stupid, right? Nobody thought people would want to pay 800 bucks or something. So this applies to anything, not just technology. If there is something that you believe in that very few people disagree with you on, uh, agree with you on, I mean, there's probably something juicy there. There's probably something interesting. But here's the issue. Most people don't ponder the question. They hear the question, like they're hearing me say the question. They don't ponder it because it forces you to answer something controversial. And nobody wants to say something controversial because everyone wants to play by the line. And playing by the line is the last thing that's going to make make you do anything important here. Imagine when Kevin Hart, yeah, it's normally he's a superstar now. When he was 19, you really think people thought he was going to be a stand-up comic that was this successful, except for him? Most likely no. not. Right. He said everybody. He said like nobody believed in him but his dad. Literally. Yeah. I think his mom, something like that too. But like that's it, right? Yeah. That's wild. And now he's like Kevin Hart. Like, right. you know. Or, he's or like, even, look, even look at me at a small scale. Just Because I'm not – I don't have that success yet but I can gloat about it in 10 years. But for now, for our discussion, think of me. Like really think of it. I'm, I started a YouTube channel when I was 22. Not on like comedy or vlogging or – on public speaking communication tips like what 
And the, yeah. this guy's not going to coach any CEOs. He doesn't even have a PhD in communication. He barely knows how to tie his own shoes. What is he going to do coaching people? up? And now a lot of my clients are C-level executives, right? So bizarre behavior. So the key is not to copy me. The key is to understand what I did, to understand what Jordan is doing here and just do whatever works for you. So for one more time for the audience, what was that question you have to ask yourself? Of course. So there's many questions, right? Which I think is the number one thing people don't do is they don't ask themselves hard questions about life. I mean, notice how like focused I am. I'm like in my 20s. How does that make any sense, right? And the reason is because I ask myself the hard questions. So the first question that's hard, took me years to get right, but I figure out an answer, many actually, and hopefully you do too, is what is the truth that you believe in? What is something you fundamentally believe is true that most people around you just think is stupid or not true? Right. So for me, it was, you know, public speaking YouTube videos. Like, it was like, why? But another question that's more easier to answer that people don't even spend 10 minutes in their life thinking about is if you had all the money in the world, how would you spend your time, not mm. the money? So a lot of people, you'd be shocked, Jordan. 100% of the people I've asked this question to, not 99, not 90, 100% of the people I've asked this question to say travel. And then you go, okay, are you going to travel for 40 years and then die? And then they go, well, no. No. They, so then what are you going to do? Are you going to wake up at 8 a.m., 10 a.m.? Who are you going to hang out with? Are you going to hang out with anybody? Is there a wife there, a husband there? Is it both? Are you, are you in a house? Are you even in a house? Nobody even spends 10 minutes thinking about this. It boggles my mind, dude. This episode is brought to you by our good friends over at Sock Season. I have a pair of their unisex essential star quality socks, and man, they are comfortable. They truly are. They, they, they come in like weird, funky, cool colors. And I'm not just saying this because they paid me. I'm saying it because I'm a big sock guy, and I hate socks that fall apart after a few washes or they're cheap, or they're they're tight around the toe, or they hurt around the ankle. I've experienced a lot of different socks, and a lot of these companies are cutting corners. I've gotten socks from H&M, different department stores, and quite frankly, I feel like I've gotten beaten a lot of times because I no longer wear the socks, and after a few washes, they either rip, or they shrink, or I lose a pair, or I lose one of the socks. Those two are on me. But sometimes they're warped and they just lose their shape. But the cool thing about Sock Season is Sock Season has a unique 30-day wash guarantee, which covers socks bought within the first 30 days. Like, if you buy them and they fall apart within the first 30 days, they will replace them. No questions asked. Which is crazy, but that's how much they believe in their socks. So, go to www.SockSeason.com. S-O-C-K-S-E-A-S-O-N.com. Use coupon code OFFSTAGE for 25% off your first order and tell them Jordan sent you because every day is sock season. So, wow, you got my mind reeling on that one. I really like that. Who inspired you to tackle this skill? Like who who was like the person to really get get you going on this one? Right. So so I definitely have mentors that solidified my passion for public speaking. But when it started, there wasn't anyone in particular. So let me give you an idea. So for people who want to pursue a career, a conventional, because I, you know, because I do well in there too, this could be good advice to follow. So what I did was simple. I got to university. 
I didn't know what a consultant was. I didn't know what a banker was. I didn't, like I said, I didn't, like it came from party. My mom was a minimum wage worker. My dad was like a, some sort of manager at a hat factory. Like we didn't, we didn't know what these high middle class people are doing. So as I get there, no network, nothing. So what I did instead was I just looked at all the jobs that people wanted and asked myself, why were they going after the jobs? Then after, so that was initially getting a job at one of the big four accounting firms. So KPMG, PwC, Deloitte, and Ernest & Young. You don't need to know these companies. All you need to know for the sake of this conversation is that every accounting student's dream is to work there because you're set. If if you work there for 10 years, it's like Suits. It's like Suits. If people know the show, yeah, Uh, Harvey Specter is the main character of the show, is a partner at a law firm. So he makes millions of dollars a year. So that applies for different structures like accounting. Anyways, I don't bore you too much here, but the point is simple. I looked at everyone who had an internship there, made friends with them, or became friends with them, and figured out what was on their CV, and I copied them. <laughs> That's it. Because if, if you become the sum of everyone that you're competing against, you become the ultimate candidate, right? So I did the same thing in consulting, in almost in consulting every single person that had a job, even if they had great grades, they all did cases. They all did case competitions. So I started competing right away. I got into that program as quickly as possible. And then what happened was the best way I saw, because I realized really quickly when I was on the teams, mm-hmm. a lot of the people were a lot smarter than I was. Like they knew, they knew how to structure problems and stuff. And I wasn't as good as that. But what I was really good at was presenting and selling an idea. It's something I was already innately good at. So I just leaned into that. So the same way that like Michael Jordan right, realized he was good at baseball and basketball, Mm-hmm. He just realized that he was 100x better at basketball than he did at baseball. So he leaned into that more. So in your life, there's going to be different skills, different things you're good at. But there's going to be one or two skills you'll learn at some point in your life that you're just 10x better than your competition. And you need to lean into that. So that's what happened. And then I just became really good at it. Lean into it. I love that. I love that. Because you talked about it, it you had a lot of, you have a lot of clarity which is what a lot of people i know you you kind of ask you, that kind of boggles your mind but a lot of people do not have that a lot of people are you know looking all over trying to find what it's sensory overload with the internet as well so you know like going down the rabbit hole you're like maybe i should get into consulting maybe i should be a drop shipper maybe i should do this do that like it's so much stuff how like i guess you said if we were to like just reverse that I guess you said was you saw who you wanted to be and you just kind of reverse engineered their steps and copied those steps in a sense. You got it. So so let me build a bit more on this for your audience. Mm -hmm. The idea is simple. Before Master Talk, you know, before I had this great idea of starting a YouTube channel and helping all these people, it really didn't start that way. I was just a kid Mm -hmm. who went to a university who wanted a job, who wanted to provide for his family. That's it. There wasn't anything special about me. There wasn't anything important about me. I was just a guy who was smart. I wasn't dumb. But I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm a smart guy. I can get a job in this field. I don't know if I can do it, but I'm going to try. That's where I started. Okay. And then from that starting point, I I did one right thing. I did the next right thing. I did the next right thing. And all of a sudden, here we are today. Now I want to become the world's greatest speech coach that ever lived. Right? So now we're that transition really quickly. So what's the gap? How do you Mm -hmm. get there? There's a lot of things that you can do because I don't overload your audience either. But I think one exercise that helps is the following that I believe in. Be insane or be the same. If you want to be like everyone else, that's cool. 
you want to, yeah, I don't know, you want to get a job at a grocery store, you want to get a job and just leave it there, you want to go traveling three to- three weeks a-, a year and for some reason you're not allowed to have more vacation, you want to do that, that's fine, you want to save up for retirement, that's cool. But if you want to do something important, if you want to do something unique, if you want to do something cool, you need to learn the art of being more insane. So what does that mean? Every single person who's successful, startup entrepreneurs, cupcake makers, YouTube channel people, stand-up comics, everyone at the top of their industry shares only one thing in common besides the hard work that they put in to get there, is the fact that they are all insane by the average human's definition of what that means. Kevin Hart presented for two years, clubs, bars, anything. Didn't make a penny, maybe like 25 bucks a gig. That's crazy talk. Why don't you just get a job, Kevin? That makes a lot more sense, right? Michael Jordan practiced every day, even after he was the number one basketball player of all time. You still Mm -hmm. ask him in this documentary, last episode, I'll never forget that. You ask him what his regret was. This is a billionaire. Access to every celebrity, access to everything. You ask him what his regret is. He's like, we should have went for seven championships, not six. What? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Crazy. Nuts. Like, yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I remember in the the last episode of the last dance when they're playing by they're all talking by the piano after the championship, and Michael's like, "Yo, I want to go back to the gym." I was like, "What? This dude's crazy." Right. <laughs> and you the know. point of this conversation, because I want to bring this back down to the average Joe, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now that we understand that we're scared of Michael, we don't want to be Michael. Okay, fine. Yeah. Okay, let's bring it back to level one now. Level one is practicing how to be more insane. So what does this do? I have a simple trick. Okay, this is a super easy drill, and I guarantee 90% of people won't even do this. Practice communicating all of the weird things that you do on a daily basis that are not illegal to everyone around you. I will start because I always like to lead with example. Mm-hmm. My favorite hobby in the world is I dance alone in my basement an hour a day. I absolutely love Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift. Love stories like my favorite album. I just love her music. It's amazing. I can speak three languages. I can karaoke in eight. I'm absolutely nuts. But notice the calmness and the confidence in which I'm exuding all of those weird things. That was not uh, – I wasn't born that way. That's something I practice. So this is what happened with my life. I started communicating all the weird things that I do. Because everyone's weird, right? We can all acknowledge that. There's always We just don't talk about it. That's the difference. So when I started telling my friends that, this is what happened. I realized who my real friends were. 90% of the people I was talking to were like, why are you doing that? You're such a retard. Like, get out of here. So I was like, oh, these people are like not for me. But the other 10% are just like, I don't care. Just, yeah, if you want to dance, do that. Just just don't embarrass me that's it that's so i found out really quickly they were my real friends then next step now that i canceled out the 90 percent of the people i didn't need next step after do is now i'm clear now i now i'm actually playing in my own skin so let's actually figure out the questions to life once you do that simple exercise then you'll do something that 99 percent of people that are listening don't do which is question everything why do i need to get married have two and a half kids white picket fence for some reason, I need a half a million dollar home. Why is it not a 50 grand home? Why is it not this? Why do I even need to get married? Why am I saving up for retirement? A lot. Of, Paul Allen, the co-founder of Microsoft people, died at 65. He was a billionaire. Good point. He had so much money in his bank account, the doctors couldn't save him. Why are we saving up for retirement? It makes no sense, right? I'm not saying you shouldn't save money, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying you shouldn't spend it either. That's the point. 
The point I'm making is you need to question it. I'm the only six-figure earner you'll meet in your life, Jordan, that still lives with his mom, that doesn't own a car. I'm literally on my bed right now talking to you, right? That's crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm so cheap, not because I'm a, a cheap shit, but because the only priority in my life is making master talk work. I will say yes to any podcast. I will say yes to any show because this information needs to go out to people. I don't care what my family thinks. I don't think what, I don't care what my future wife thinks, husband thinks, whatever I'm into in the future doesn't matter. The only thing that matters beyond showing off to my friends the BMW I could buy right now is mm -hmm. making Master Talk work because that's the dream. So for you, that might be different. For you, you might go through this exercise and say, you know what? I don't want to work hard. Instead of making 140 grand a year, I'm just going to save half of it. And then in five years, just do stand-up comedy for 50 bucks a piece. Like Dave Chappelle did, right? For 10 years, he just left and then started doing stand-up performances in a park. Like it just makes no sense. So the point is simple. Once you start to become more insane, you start to become more clear. When you start to become more clear, then you start questioning everything. And when you start to question everything, then you can start living the life you actually want to live. I oh wow! So you sacrificed it all to make Master Talk just premiere. Okay, so so with that in mind, what is the ultimate goal for Master Talk? Is it an online speaking community? Is it to be bigger than Toastmasters? Like, where are we going to end up? 10 years from now. I love that. I love this. Mm -hmm. I, this is probably the most intimate conversation I've had so far in a podcast. So thanks for facilitating this. But anyways, the point, the point is simple. Okay. When I started Mastertruck, I had no plan, right? I still wanted to be an executive at IBM. My goal initially was to make half a million dollars for us 30. That's it. I had no other goals. I was a boring person. But as Mastertruck started to unfold, and it was, I thought it was a stupid idea the first six months too. I had 10 subscribers, 15 subscribers. But then a lot of my friends came up to me and they said, hey, this content's pretty good, man. You should like stop doing this on your phone and actually like do something a bit more your your camera. And honestly, I thought they were like, I thought they were just like playing me, right? Mm -hmm. And then it kept going and going. Then I started attending personal development conferences. I started meeting cool folk. And that's when it hit me. I started meeting really talented people, like really smart people that had amazing ideas, but couldn't afford my services and couldn't communicate their ideas. That's where I saw the gap. And then it, it came to the final note. I met this girl named Julia. Okay, it's not her name, but I just used Julia for the show. And, and she's 60. Okay. So I met her at this, uh, you know, this event I was speaking at. It's like this uh, technological uh, incubator for young teenage girls and really successful, smart people. It's like 10-year-old girls who know how to code. It's like really crazy. So as I'm talking to Julia, and she's talking to me. There's another girl, too, who's like 10 years old. She, she tugs my shirt after, and she, she looks at me and goes, uh, uh, Brandon, how, how do I speak like you? Like, how do I, how do I learn how to speak like you? And that's when it clicked for me. Think of it like this. If you're 10 year old, Rebecca, you're 16 year old, Julia, and you live in an education system that doesn't favor public speaking, that doesn't promote it, that doesn't, because think about it, school presentations, we present to topics we're not passionate about yeah. to students who want to hear us, to teachers who are stressed out all the day that want to burn out. Like that's the situation, right? And you do the presentation maybe two, maybe three times a year. That's so it. where's the practice? There's no practice in it. Right. And no. even when you're practicing, you're taught that presentations are a bad thing, not a good thing. So Julia, this is what she does. She wants to make a difference in the world. She's not the average student. She goes to technology hubs. She wants to be a leader. She wants to make a difference. But she's, she's not very good at public speaking, and it's normal. 
So what does she do? She does exactly what you did. She goes on YouTube and she types the following words, public speaking tips, because all of her favorite YouTube stars are on the platform. She presses enter. What does she find? She finds a bunch of old fucking white dudes who don't know shit about public speaking, who make half a million dollars a year coaching CEOs, don't know 10% of what I know, not even mm-hmm. 10%. Or, or even if they did, this is what ticks me off, even if they did, don't share it for free. So Julia looks at the 60-year-old dude who should be in retirement and goes, well, I mean, this is not for me. I'm scared. I don't want to do this. Closes the laptop. And that belief system that she'll never be a great speaker will live for the rest of her life unless I do something about it. Hmm. So my ultimate goal is to be the number one speaking coach that ever lived. Not for ego, not because I want the number one title. That doesn't matter. But because I've questioned myself so much to realize that the only person that matters, even if I have high pain clients, even if I have all that, the only person that matters is Julia. And not just Julia, every Julia after her. Not just Julia in America, Nanut in Laos, right? And every single person who wants to make a difference in their community, I want to be the back end for every change maker who can't afford me. And that's the impact that I want to make. Wow. That, that is a beautiful uh, driving force behind all your decisions, behind all your, it keeps it so organic, you know? Absolutely. As long, yeah. It, it's like, uh, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. So is anyone in your family like really charismatic when they speak or like a friend that, that, uh, you know, you kind of pull some magnetism off of like, my brother, he's like really charming, but like, you know, is there, is there anybody in your family that was like that, that you kind of pulled tips from as you were learning? Definitely from a social interaction point of view. Mm-hmm. My dad was really good at social skills. You know, he loved, you know, talking to people, engaging with people, same thing with my little sister. But I think for me, the main place where I learned how to speak was being envious of speakers who were better than me. Because I'm really competitive, as you can probably tell from my nature. So when I was watching a lot of speakers, especially at competitions that I wanted uh, to beat, yeah. I kept watching them, studying them, analyzing them. And I was like, I can speak better than you. And then I started like, you know, that's why I was practicing three times a week. Obviously, no normal person gives three presentations every week, right? So I just kept doing that and doing that until I was better than them. It, it's, it's similar to, to Kobe Bryant when he was 12. Okay, he had, not many people know this, but he reveals this in many of his interviews. He had this thing called the kill list. So when he was 12, he was top 50 in the state, and he wanted to be number one. So every time he went to a basketball t- game, he looked at the list and paid attention to everyone else who was above the list, was, watched everything that they were doing. He would cover all, gaps in all of his weaknesses. So by the time I think he was 15, I don't remember the exact age, he was number one on the list. Wow. Yeah. So you got to be competitive and, and then know who people... I think I think um, I read that book Relentless by Tim Grover, and it talks about that dark mindset of like almost being petty, but like using it to your advantage and using it to drive you. And it's like a dark force that, like you said, like Kobe Bryant tapped in or when you watch the Michael Jordan interview, he tapped in, you know, everything he took personally. I took it personally. Like you keep hearing him say that I took that personally. And it's just like it's to the point where it's almost a meme now, but he really meant it. Like he used that to, all right, Mike, get up at three, go to the gym, you know? So you have to tap into something and, and, and that drives you and gives you a uh, focus, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and going back to that. So, so for that, it's going to be different for different people. So in the sense that for you, it could be hope in God. It mm-hmm. could be a belief system that you have for charity. And, but the dark thing I, I like, especially because 
in the sense for people who are ultra competitive, it's very effective. So one thing I've done, right, is that I've conjured up enemies. That's one of the ways that I've been successful. So every time I achieved a goal or I wanted to get a goal, it was always from a frustration. Not necessarily because I hated the other people because I'm not as crazy as Jordan was, but in the sense of I was competitive. So let's say, for example, I wanted a job in accounting, something simple, nothing like uh, super you know, revolutionary. That's why you can apply it too, because I was I'm still normal, right? So in that way, what I did was I looked at other accounting students who had a job in the companies I wanted to work in. And I and it frustrated me because I was like, you don't have the GPA that I do. You never did case competitions. You didn't do this. I deserve this more than you. So that motivated me to work hard to ultimately get that. And I did the same thing with consulting. You only did seven case competitions. I did 50. How in the world do do you get a job and I don't? Same thing. Master talk. I, I've actually never said this in a podcast, but master talk is actually the same thing. If you ask me in a normal PR fashion what I want to do with master talk, I'll answer like I did. You know, inspire the world to communicate better because that's true, right? That's not false. Mm-hmm. But the thing that motivates me isn't that. The thing that motivates me more than helping Julia is crushing the people who chose not to. Let me repeat that again. What motivates me more with Master Talk, because that's just how my brain is wired, is not helping Julia. It's crushing the people who decided not to. Mm. Right? Now, so- I can buy into that being the reason. Like a lot, like like the Julia thing. It's a beautiful story. Don't get me wrong. And it's true. It's right? true. It's one hundred percent true. True. But the thing that drives you, it gets you out of bed and makes you go, "I'm top one percent." I can believe that's the truth right there. I love that. Right. Like like I gave an example. Okay. So I was I was doing this competition a couple of months ago. I won't name the speaking coach. Okay. He rated me four out of ten, just so I don't move on to finals. And that guy charges $35,000 a day for his coaching, doesn't share any free content. And I hate him. I hate him. And I'm going to destroy him, right? And that's the thing, because he's not serving 16-year-old Julia, and it mm-hmm. pissed me off. So that's the reason. So, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, you know, I, you know, I always – because I got to keep a PR, too. I got to say, you know, I might be successful. Maybe it'll happen. I'll do my best. I'm, you know, I'm investing a lot of money. Follow your dreams. I know I'm going to win. I'm the youngest speech coach in the world. When I'm 30, that guy's going to be retired. I won't have any competition in six years. And that's what I want for people. I want you to be relentless for what you want. Some of you might look at me and say, this guy's cocky. This guy's like confident. But, if, but it's beyond that, right? People need to believe in something. Believe in something. Because everyone who's successful wants to believe in a different world than what they initially envisioned. Right for what the world is currently, they mm-hmm. want this change. That Travis Kalanick was a jerk, but he wa- like the founder of Uber, but he had a point of view on how the world should be. These taxi companies are taking so much money for consumers, providing a terrible experience for them. Let's do something different. Airbnb. These hotels are charging so many, so much money and hiking up prices when there's a conference. This is not fair business practice. I'm going to crush you. Right, same thing. You need to find that thing. And for you, it might not be public speaking. It might not be Uber. It might not be these big, grander visions. It mm-hmm. could just be something in your community. Hey, I learned this podcast online. Why Why isn't anyone else learning this? I should share this podcast with more people. Something small. And then it slowly graduates into something like this. I love your 
passion that you feel when you talk about belief. I read like a really powerful quote about belief actually yesterday, and it said that uh, things happen two times. The first time in your head and you have to buy into it and believe it. And then the second time it happens in our physical touch reality. But really, though, things happen two times. It really happens the first time in your mind and you have to constantly brainwash yourself because society's trying to brainwash you on something else. You might as well be the person that brainwashes yourself than let the TV or radio or YouTube ads, you know, brainwash you. And then it happens secondly in your real world. So I think it's already happened in your mind. You're number one, top 1%. We just have to sit back and watch how it all unfolds. So uh, I'd like to, to end it with like, how can the people get in touch with you? Because this was a great chat, man. For sure. No, it's it such a pleasure to be on. So what I always say in every show is I'm not famous like Jordan is. So feel free to just message me on Instagram. I'm at Master Your Talk. I answer all my DMs. So if you have any question, concern, or hate comment, feel free to just send it my way. I'm always happy to, to engage and interact with anyone who does. And for those who want to check out my videos, it's Master Talk in one name. And if you have any questions about the channel, don't be shy to send me a message too. All right. The show links will be in the show notes. Uh, this has been another episode of Offstage with Jordan Baylor. I want you to take the information and I want you to face a problem that is bugging you, that you've been avoiding this week. And I want you to tackle it. I want you to look the problem in the eye and go, you are not bigger than me. All right. Go forth and conquer the day. Peace. Thank you for listening to Offstage with Jordan Baylor. Now go forth and create.